Looking for stories that are fresh and new? Dark fantasy, humor, space exploration, time travel, cyberpunk, alternate history, and more. They're in the L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future Anthology. From 24 award-winning authors and illustrators, plus art and writing tips, and bonus stories. L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future. Buy your copy at galaxypress.com, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Looking for something new in dark fantasy, humor, space exploration, time travel, alternative history? They're in the L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future anthology. Get the 10-volume box set with 159 stories and full-color illustrations, plus 34 articles with writings and art tips. Get the UPRN discount, $125 for the entire box set. That's a $60 savings for that beautiful box set. L. Ron Hubbard presents Writers of the Future. Go to uprntalkradio.com, click on the link, and place your order. Whoa, what happened? Oh, my. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. everybody and welcome. Hey, Johnny Freeman, good to see you. How are you? Okay, so my camera's having some messes. Hi, Virginia. And so uh, here's the deal. Check this out, right? As you could see, I'm like kind of being like a ghost tonight. You know, I, I don't have a clue. Um, I'm telling you, it just it's like, so if I come in and out, okay, it's just my own personal feature on here for tonight. Because it is Halloween and God only knows what's in my office. Oh, see, there I go again. But, uh, hey, Patrick Kelly, how are you? Hey, there are all you paranormalies, mates. <laughs> Tell mom I said hello, will you? Okay, so uh, how was everybody's week? Um, this past Saturday, we had a show uh, with Johnny Freeman and Virginia Lanigan. And honest to God, it was great. We got a lot of good responses out of it. Um it was so enjoyable and uh with them too all right they are psychics and uh so um we're gonna have them back on maybe in november maybe a little like in the before december and we're gonna have a two-hour show on um psychic you can get a psychic reading thank you patrick that was an awesome show but uh yeah um so my week's been okay uh, after saturday um it was like wow after saturday this tuesday came and now i got my good friend coming on um i will introduce him pretty soon but there's a couple things i want you to tell i mentioned to you uh october 28th i will be at the carnegie hall uh carnegie library um in homestead pennsylvania hey gary good to see you buddy hello to you too so 28th i'll be at the carnegie library over in Homestead, PA, and I will be doing, working with other paranormal groups. My friend Drake Bowman, he runs the Oakdale Paranormal Society, and he's been doing this for like the last four or five years, whatever, and it's, it's a really nice thing um, that he does because, it, you know, it's like 
you know, you go there to buy a ticket and all the money that goes to the library for certain things, different things, which is like really, really cool. Uh, October 29th, I'll be at the Penn Brewery over there on the north side of Pittsburgh. I'll be there from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I'm going to do a little presentation over there. Um, so looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Now, October 31st is a Tuesday night. Okay. I'm not going to have my show, okay? I'm not. But we are having a UPRN radio Halloween party that night. And it starts at 8 o'clock. So after you pass out all the candy and you're done with all your Halloween, you know, come on to UPRN radio and I'll have, we'll have the whole, all the hosts on UPR, UPRN radio. And we're just going to have like a little Halloween party and uh, it's going to be fun. Um, so we're going to, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. And so far I'm really not, I'm not ghosting it that much. Um, but you know, it's getting close to that time. And, um, the, the, uh, my guest tonight is a very good friend of mine, very dear friend of mine. And um, and we uh, we interviewed him for his last book, Coal Region Hoodoo, okay, on Chasing Prophecy. That was my old show. And now he came out with a new book. Uh, I hope I say this right. Uh, Flying Saucer Esoteric. And um, my guess is he's a good dude. He's a good dude. I'm, uh, his name is Maxim Shurik. Okay, and there goes my ghosting. <laughs> a little bit about Maxim. Uh, let's see. Okay, this is the wrong one. Hold on one second. We'll get to him. But how was everybody's week? Uh, here it is. We got the bio here. Maximin Furek is Max. Maxim Furek is an academic and an avid student of the paranormal. His electric background includes aspects of psychology, addictions, and rock journalism. He has a master's degree in communications from Bloomsburg University and a bachelor's degree in psychology from Aquinas College. He has written numerous rock biographies as well as paranormal themed books such as Cool Region Hoodoo, Paranormal Tales from Inside the Pit, and Flying Saucer es es Esoteric. His book, Shepton, The Myth, the Miracle, and the Music, was featured on an Australian mysterious universe. He has been interviewed on podcasts, including Exploring the Bazaar with the legendary Timothy Green Beckley, Art Bell's Midnight in the Desert with Heather Wade, and Paranormal 60 with David Schrader. He's a contributor to Fake Magazine, Normal Paranormal, and Paranormal Underground. Coal Region Hoodoo, Paranormal Tales from Inside the Pit, has been described as a fascinating look into the Pennsylvania paranormal wormhole through a never-seen-before socio sociological and popular culture lens. And that was one hell of a bio there, buddy. Um, and without further ado, I am going to introduce you to my friend, 
Maxim Fury. Hey, hey, Matt. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing uh, great. Thanks. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, great to be on Into the Night. And I know you, you mentioned that I had been on Chasing Prophecy. Yes. You know, we talked about co-region hoodoo. So uh, this is great to be on uh, your your new show and uh, and talking about my book, uh, Flying Saucer Esoteric, uh, The Altered States of UFOlogy. So that's only yeah. been only been out for like eight or nine days. So we're real excited about that. And uh, and hopefully we could tell your listeners a little bit about it tonight. Yeah. Uh, so what you've been up to, buddy, besides writing books? Well, you know, 2023 has been a, a fantastic year for me. I mean, I've been invited to a number of Bigfoot expos. We were down uh -huh. in Ocala, Florida, Elysburg, Pennsylvania, and then Johnstown on uh, September 30th. And I was there with um, Eric Altman from the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society and also Stan Gordon, who's, you know, sort of infamous, I guess, in, in Western Pennsylvania. But uh, we were on the same stage and, you know, uh, that was just great to meet the people there. And, um, you know, and a lot of them had heard of me, uh, you know, on uh, uh, podcasts such as yours. So uh, it was it was almost like meeting old friends. It was great. But Johnstown was really, really good for me, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fans and I met a lot of new people and just great. So, you know, um, you know, they're talking about bringing me back in 2024 and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Johnstown's really a pretty cool town with a lot of paranormal activity, you know, especially in the uh, Masonic there, you know, mm -hmm. where, they, uh, where the uh, uh, expo, the cryptid expo is being held. So, um, you know, all kinds of stories of hauntings there. There's a lot of history up there in Johnstown, brother. Yeah, yeah. Somerset County, uh, that's where uh, Flight 93 went down. Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. We went to that memorial. Uh, when it first came up, it was just a chain link fence, and a lot of bikers came there and put their T-shirts and flags there. You know, uh, amazing how patriotic some of these biker gangs are. But then yes. now we have the, the new memorial in Shanksville, and, uh, you know, that's very touching. They did a great job with that, so... You know, so so yeah, it, it is touching. In fact, I remember a couple years, um, I'd say about maybe 10 years ago, somebody that lived on that property asked us to go out and investigate the property because being that crash site and a lot of you know spirits are hanging around there, but we weren't allowed to. Um, the government stepped in and said no. And uh, we couldn't do it. Virginia says, hello, Maxim. Maxim. Oh, hi, Virginia. Yeah, thanks for checking in. Sweet Virginia. Yeah, sweet. That was a yeah. stone song. <laughs> see, sweet Virginia. Yeah, she is sweet. But um, so how's, how has Coal Region Hoodoo been for you since it came out? Well, first of all, uh, twenty, like I said, 2023 was an awesome year for me. Uh, I had two books published both of them by Beyond the Fray. And your listeners may know Beyond the Fray is a paranormal publishing group from San Diego. So I had um, Co-Region Hoodoo, Paranormal Tales from Inside the Pit. That was published uh, seven months ago. So it's only been out a short amount of time, but uh, already it's been as high as number 14 on Amazon's top 100. And 
paranormal sciences. And now the new one, uh, Flying Saucer Esoteric, also published by Beyond the Fray, that's only been out for, I think, maybe seven days, maybe eight days. So, you know, uh, hopefully Esoteric will do as well as Coal Region Hoodoo. And as we discussed on uh, uh, Chasing Prophecy, uh, Coal Region Hoodoo was my attempt to take paranormal and spiritual themes and bring them a little bit closer to the, to the scientific. Right. And I believe that, you know, the paranormal is part of the scientific. We just don't know how, you know, when we see uh, things in the sky, uh, you know, apparitions and things that are, you know, that we can't explain. I think that there are many times there's a scientific basis for it, but at this point we just don't know what they are. You know, it could be a new kind of science and, you know, a new opening, but. Uh, Would that not run into uh, like parapsychology? I mean, I, I, I mean, I can debate you on science and spirituality a bit. Okay. Um, now, I've known a lot of people that have tried to do things scientifically, but could not come up with results. But here's the deal behind that. Um, some of these scientists that I would take along on investigations for, um, were amazed that they got touched. You know what I mean? That they saw something fly in front of their face. So to me, um, I, I need to tell my, my, my people out there, and I need to tell you this, Max, is that um, I, I do not, I do not disrespect anybody and what they believe in. You know what I mean? I accept everybody for who they are and what they think. So maybe down the road, Max, they'll, they'll find something, some type of science that will kind of like say, hey, if we do this, this, and this, scientifically wise, maybe it will come up, you know, that it shows a spirit or um, yeah. an entity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, we're just waiting for data. We're hoping that the scientists and astronomers and physicists are doing their work, you know, and finding out what the new science is, you know, something that goes beyond Einstein and Hynek and John Mack and everybody else. But uh, Sean, I remember this is interesting. I remember when I was on Chasing Prophecy and I talked about how I tried to uh, get the spiritual a little bit closer to the scientific. And you, you kind of called me on that. You said you, were, you didn't really quite believe that. But there is one expert, uh, Bruce Grayson. He's an expert on near-death experiences. And mm -hmm. he talks about the connection between the spiritual and the scientific. So again, it's just, I think, showing respect for things that we don't understand, whether they be of a, a supernatural nature or of a spiritual nature, you know, miracles, apparitions, demonology, miracle, you know, whatever, whatever they are, right. you know, there may be scientific truth, some kind of scientific basis for it. But again, in our, primitive state we still don't know you know we have we have technology you know and uh, we're able to go on the moon and we're able to launch satellites and do all that stuff and have cell phones and computers and you know we've done all that but there's so much more that we just don't know you know i mean we're doing good with the technology um but we're you know not doing i, I think we need to do better in the scientific realm 
And I'm not a scientist, so you know, I, I don't know about all the hard work and effort that they that they put into what they do. But um, you know, I think that's where all the great discoveries are going to be. You know, when you and I are going to be on the show talking about uh, the uh, the secret of the UFO has been revealed. You know, by some scientists. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. See, my son is a micro. I'm just going to say microbiologist. I don't know what his correct thing is, and I know for a fact, you know, he he is so he's a scientist. Yeah. Okay. And I know how they think. <laughs> he's my son. Mm-hmm. So, for say like say some scientist that wants to do these things, um, yeah. But, you know, I would have to go with the weatherman, someone that does with uh, the weather. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it has to do with different highs and lows of the temperature in the air. Right. Um, I was going to say, too, with, uh, you know, scientists look at the scientific method. And uh, this year in, in Mexico City, we had... Uh, uh, ufologist uh, Jaime Musan, and he revealed these two corpses, alien corpses, and mm-hmm. uh, so they, I think they had, uh, they were small in stature, large heads, three, I think three fingers, but anyway, they were inside these glass cases, and that's all well and good. He went before the uh, the Mexican Congress to talk about that. But, you know, that's just step one. Step two and three needs to be the scientific method where uh, Jaime Mossan allows scientists, the scientific community, either in Mexico or, you know, United States or, or all of them, to take a look at those corpses, to do their DNA, to analyze them, to use the scientific method to see what's going on there, if they are real or, or if they're a hoax. And that's well, what we, and well, that's that's what we Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And that's what we want to find out. But with the uh, rel- rel- revelation that just happened, and I think it was July of this year, you know, there needs to be more. And like like they said on the X-Files, the truth is out there. Well, show me the truth. Don't tease me and titillate me and, ta- and tantalize me, but show me the truth. You know, allow those corpses to be looked at by the scientific community, and then we'll make a determination once or for all. This could be the biggest thing that's happened, you know, since the, since the beginning of man. But uh, we won't know until we have access to, the, to those alien corpses. And that's you know- just... You know what's crazy about that, Max, is that the scientists go in, they get alien DNA, the whole nine yards, but there's going to be a certain amount of people are going to look at you like that was planted, like that alien DNA is planted. Those aliens are just mannequins, stuff like that. No matter how much proof that you give people, there are going to be a lot of people are going to say, no, you're right, you're you're wrong. That is not aliens. I know. Sean, let me give you another example. You know, when we go up to the moon, when we go to these, uh, go to Mars, we bring back rock samples. And what the American, what NASA does, NASA breaks down those, 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 uh, those rocks and into different pieces and allows the international scientific community to take a look at them, to analyze them and then compare notes with each other. So that's the scientific method. That's what we need to do. You know, with whether it's, you know, pieces of 
from an asteroid or a meteorite from Mars or corpses from, from Peru that were presenting in, in presented at Mexico City. So either way, and like I'm sticking with the uh, scientific method. That's what I love about you, Max. <laughs> You're more scientific and I'm more spiritual, but I yeah. do respect I do respect what you believe. Yeah. Um, well, I have a couple questions before we get into um, flying saucer esoteric. Yeah. Um, what got you into writing? Into writing? Yeah. Well, I was, you know, man, I was writing since I was five. And, um, you know, I came from a working class background. So, you know, we didn't have, you know, well, back then, you know, a lot of people didn't have TV and we didn't have computers. You know, that was back in the Stone Age. But, you know, my mother, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of um, inspired us to read and write. We would play word games like we would take a, a piece of paper and take, say, the word encyclopedia and number to 20 and try to make as many words out of the encyclopedia as you could. So we did games like that. She read to us. She, uh, uh, you know, preached that we should uh, pronounce our syllables distinctly, you know, things like that. So my mom was pretty much into reading and literature. And I think I got that gift that interest from her. And uh, and I used to write little comic books for my brother. And my brother would always be the one, the, the, the victim, you know, like the giant bird would go and take my brother and put him out on the air, you know, at the top of the mountain and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So I was writing and drawing cartoons. And, uh, and like many people, you know, many of us baby boomers, and we were raised on black and white 1950s, science fiction movies and horror movies and you know the edgar edgar Allan poe stuff in the 60s you know twilight zone uh, all that stuff i mean man we just had a full head of the paranormal and the horror i mean we loved it i mean i loved it and my friends loved it so you know that became uh, one of my interests and and i mean it was more than an interest it was a passion so along with rock and roll and you know pretty girls i mean i like the paranormal so you know, I was, you know, like most other, you know, I guess most other kids, I just, you know, enjoyed reading. And then I did, there was a point where I didn't want to just go and read. I wanted to go and create things. And, uh, you know, that became very, uh, uh, you know, something that, that spoke to me. But even with Flying Saucer Esoteric, you know, I remember exactly when, you know, something was working through me saying this is the, the next book. And uh, it was like I'm a, something like some energy was channeled, you know, through me. And uh, and that was the genesis of Flying Saucer Esoteric. And it was and it was, it was this year. It was 2023 mm -hmm. that happened. So, um, you know, uh, I was pretty much I was like a madman. I was possessed. I wanted to get this book completed and uh, I worked on it morning, noon and night. I mean, um, and then I finished it and submitted it and, and all that, but um, it, it, it took me to the wall, you know, so. Um, right. I remember you, we had you on and um, and you were in the process of writing Flying Saucer Esoteric. Yeah. yeah. What came up with the title for that name? Well, I like the, the, the I don't want to use the word a call. 
which would have also worked, the flying saucer call. But esoteric pertains to a body of knowledge that's known to a select group of people. And, you know, back in the old days, it might have been priests and, uh, you know, um, you know, maybe the doctors, you know, uh, you know, you know, those people uh, who had access to what was known as occult knowledge, uh, knowledge that only certain people were allowed to read. But esoteric is a, is a similar term and a flying saucer esoteric pertains to that information that a lot of your listeners are, are, are aware of and follow. And uh, flying saucer esoteric is pretty much a uh, the story of uh, ufology throughout history, and uh, you know, like I said, it was in, in uh, 2023. I was reading a book, and all of a sudden, I just could, it just didn't track. I mean, I just couldn't. It was John Leclerc. It was a spy thriller. And it, I mean, he's a great writer, but there was something that was off, not with him, but with me. And uh, somehow, I got flying saucers. Uh, in my head. And I was consumed with flying saucers. I just wanted to read about flying saucers. And I started to go through my library and read every single book I had. A lot of these from the 50s and 60s. Started to read, take notes. A friend of mine from Philadelphia, uh, Charlie Phillips, brought his collection of, uh, I mean, just an incredible uh, flying saucer collection and lent it to me with photographs and everything else. So Charlie just had so much to, uh, to lend to this project. And, uh, uh, but I finished it and submitted it to Beyond the Frame. Beyond the Frame is really excited. They think this, this book is gonna make some noise in, within the UFO community. And already, you know, um, uh, numerous directors of MUFON have been, uh, have been uh, 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 called and contacted and so uh, we're getting some response from them. And I, I know uh, Susan Schweitak, who's the uh, director in Virginia, and she's just a great person. She had me down at her conference in, in Baltimore, Maryland, a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, Susan wants to go and do something maybe in Gettysburg, you know, paranormal uh, conference. And Gettysburg mm -hmm. may be a perfect place because, you know, you talked about all of the uh, lost souls you know, the, the troubled souls in Shanksville, you know, with the terrorist attack. Well, there's a lot of those in Gettysburg, too, you know, people that died horrific deaths. And, uh, oh, hell yeah. I go there every year. Yeah. I've been going up there for every, every year for about 25 years straight. So, yeah. yeah, I could take you to some places that you could get a whole new brand new book on just the one area. You now, know, is, that, is that one of the haunted, most haunted places in Pennsylvania? Um, one of them, but I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people have come up and asked me that question. Is it the most haunted area in, in Pennsylvania? And I tell them no. Okay. Where I live in Pittsburgh, there is, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Sorry, Johnny Freeman. Monica Hella River. Okay. Um, and. Oh, Monongahela? Yeah, he or Halo. Uh, okay. Depends on what part of Pittsburgh you're from. The way okay. I look at it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but way back in the day, there was a lot of um, Native Americans and settlers were in that area. Okay. Uh, Max, uh, Johnny says, yes, Max, he, you're right. But uh, I'm from Pittsburgh. Okay. But gotcha. so 
in all my investigations that I have done, um, I found more evidence, more energy, starting at Elizabeth PA, all the way down to uh, Manesson, further down Manesson, um, and see to me the whole Mon Valley is a lot more haunted than Gettysburg. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then you also have the Chestnut Ridge, that hundred-mile stretch right outside of. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's for uh, the Chestnut Ridge. You know, I we've had a couple people on, um, and Johnny agrees with me. Thank you, Johnny. Um, we had a lot of people come on as guests on Chasing Prophecy that claim that the Chestnut Ridge is like in the top 10 of most cryptids and stuff like that. So exactly. um, I'm hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to get out there and find somebody to go out with and check it out. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. They, they say that Kecksburg from 65 is Pennsylvania's Roswell and, and Chestnut Ridge is uh, Pennsylvania's Skinwalker Ranch. So probably. We, yeah, I would think so. But Kecksburg, I don't know. My guest on uh, November 7th has a whole new theory on Kecksburg. Okay. Um, so, if you, you know, um, there's there's like a big, there's a big controversy about Kecksburg. So, um, oh, look at me. I'm ghosting out. So if you're not doing that November 7th, tune into the show. And uh, his name is John Ventry. Yeah. And, like um, so he, he has a good... I, I like we talked before the show. Who do you believe? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And to me, it just came out to where I need, you know, make that decision for myself on what I want to believe in, you know. And then again, when you when you look at Kecksburg, I mean, what are the choices? You know, it's either ours, theirs, or it's extraterrestrials. So. I think you want. I think it's not. It's not ET. It, it's the German back real quick. This is the way I look at it. Uh, the U.S. Army Air Force went in. Uh, Nazi Germany was. Uh, oh wow! You have tales from Marlboro, Tasman, New Zealand, Maxim. Oh great! Awesome, dude. Yeah. Welcome. Glad yeah. to have you in here. But uh, but what happened was uh, the not uh, the Nazis they were uh, big into the occult and. Um, some claim that the army force, air force, whatever went in and they took that, that machine, the saucer, and brought it back over to the states. It, it, it's it really gets into it, I know, mm -hmm. and it's but, uh, and that's just another example of Pennsylvania weirdness. I mean, we, we <laughs> we're really up there, yeah, we're up there. Allegedly, Pennsylvania is number three state with Bigfoot sightings after yes. Washington and California. And we're up there with UFO sightings. And the thing about Bigfoot is that many, many times people see Bigfoot along with UFOs. So there's yes. that paranormal uh, uh, interdimensional connection, whatever that is. But, you know, but it's and, you're, and Sean, that's right in your backyard. So, you know. yeah, no, no, you're right. I'm like going out. This is my ghost. This is my ghost now. <laughs> but uh, no, you're right. Um, from the people I've had on my show and chasing, um, Probably, who yeah. studied the Bigfoot, that you know the UFOs and the Bigfoot go hand in hand. 
Yeah. Because um, whenever I hear of a Bigfoot sighting, first thing I do, hey, Tony, what's up, buddy? Tony, it's my brother down in Texas. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah. And um, what, it, what it is is whenever someone or I hear that there was a Bigfoot, hi, Mandy, how are you, hon? Good to see you. Um, whenever there was an, a, a, a Bigfoot um, sighting, I always check and see what the activity of the UFOs were going on down in that area at that time. You know, but you know what, buddy? I have a couple questions for you. Hey, Robert Carpenter, look at that, Max. Wow. Hey, Cindy, good to see you. Look at Robert. He's from Indiana. Welcome, Robert. That's where my son lives, Robert. He lives in Indianapolis. They're showing up tonight. Yes, they are. They knew they knew you were coming on, Max. I had you out there. Um, I'm glad you're doing fine. Hello, Cindy. Good to see you. Um, I got a couple questions for Max. Now, and this is not my questions, but if anybody out there has a question, um, feel free to ask Max. He can answer all kinds of questions. And the forest that Tony's talking about, it's its very, very haunted. I might have to bring him on a show about it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Look at all these people, Max. Max, check all these people out to come to listen to you. <laughs> God. But uh, I got a couple questions here. Remember, anybody out there uh, want to ask him a question? Please do. Uh, you seem to wear several hats. You have been called a rock journalist, a paranormal researcher, and a ufologist. Which one is the real Maxim Furyk? <laughs> That's a good question. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, I, and I started out as a rock journalist. I mean, I wrote a bunch of books about rock and roll bands and uh, you know bands that were pretty pretty big back home and uh i had a publication called timothy and uh you know just a whole, did a whole bunch of things but i was writing a rock biography about the song timothy timothy was uh, a big hit in 1971 and uh a lot of people thought the song timothy paralleled what happened at the 1963 shepton mining disaster and in both cases, in the song and at the mining disaster, there were three people that were entombed, only two came out, and there were these horrible allegations of cannibalism. So as I was researching the Shepton mine disaster, I realized that uh, Shepton had a lot of paranormal aspects. And boy, you're winking in and out there. Sean. Yeah, I am. Is it bothering you? I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's just, I mean, I, I kind of like it. You know, Sean the ghost. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. <laughs> uh, so the Shepton mythology opened up the door for me to the paranormal. And I tell people, I didn't go looking for it. I didn't go looking for the paranormal. It found me and it hit me over the head. And uh, but just I was so well accepted and recognized by the paranormal community as far as being invited onto podcasts and being invited to conferences and all of that. And uh, so it's just been great. I mean, you know, I think that uh, people that follow the paranormal and ufology are just uh, uh, awesome people. It's an awesome community. And they've treated me with nothing but respect. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, honored to be one of the guys talking about uh, the paranormal aspects of, the, of, uh, of Pennsylvania 
and the Western Pennsylvania coal region, all of that. I mean, I'm you know honored to do that. I want to do for our region what Stephen King did for the state of Maine. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about our stuff, and it's more than just Gettysburg, and it's more than just Lancaster, but you know, it's Chestnut Ridge, and it's the you know just a lot of other areas, and uh, you know, in Pennsylvania. But we have it all. You know, I mean, we, with all the uh, immigrants coming here with their superstitions that were sort yeah. of low key. And then with the second generation, we started to talk about these superstitions and everything. You know, as, as we started to blend in. So, but Pittsburgh's a good example of that. I mean, you have a lot of ethnic groups there. And, you know, and, and look at George Romero, Night of the Living Dead. I mean, you just, Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania is an epicenter of uh, paranormal, you know, oddities and anomalies and everything else. I mean, just, you, you know, you have a lot going for you there. So, you're, you know, Sean, you're in the perfect area to do your podcast. No, yeah, absolutely. But the problem is, you know, the uh, station goes from, what, New Orleans over to uh, Florida. So hopefully we can get it on up here. But uh, Tony says, has a question for you. She says, Max, have you ever heard of if the Bigfoot does a long whistle? Did I ever hear the, do I know what that means? Have you ever heard of if the Bigfoot does a long whistle? No, no, I don't know what that is. Johnny, how about you, buddy? Have you heard about it? Johnny Freeman's a, a, a hunter, Bigfoot hunter. He's okay. a good man. He's a friend of mine. Okay. But, um, yeah. Um, so I find it interesting that flying saucer esoteric has been described as a virtual time machine. Yeah. Would you care to elaborate? Yeah, that's what um, Beyond the Fray thinks. But, you know, it's 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 more than just a reference book and a listing of, uh, you know, UFO events. It's a, it's like a time machine. I mean, just, you know, open it up to 1947 and look at what happened, you know, with Roswell and then look at what happened before Roswell, what was happening in the, with with UFOlogy before Roswell and after. So it is it's a virtual time machine. Uh uh, stories told through the eyes of abductees, contactees, hoaxers, scientists, uh, planetary explorers, all of that. And, uh, you know, I, uh, what I do in Flying Saucer Esoteric, I tell the story starting with the people that lived before Christ uh, during the B.C. time period. Um, uh, theologians and astronomers that believed that there was life on other planets many of whom were viewed as heretics and some of them uh, either um, uh, under house arrest or burned at the stake for going against the the mandates of church and state. Um, So they were viewed, some of these folks uh, who believed that there was life on other planets and talked about that and wrote about it, they were uh, uh, put to death for for their views. Uh, Mm -hmm. I talk about uh, I have one, the second chapter lists a number of biblical scriptures that have been used by people like Eric von Doniken, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to, to prop up his, uh, his theories about uh, ancient aliens visiting Earth and, uh, you know, creating the pyramids and Easter Island and all that. So I ta- have those, I mean, uh, and talk about what they what they mean. And then we go into the 11, 12, 1300, end up with 
Then 2023 congressional hearings were David Grush, and he's from um, California, Pennsylvania, right there in Washington County, right next to you in mm -hmm. Allegheny. And, uh, and Grush was the one who testified, uh, said a whole lot of really just amazing things that he knows where crashed vehicles are. He knows where the extraterrestrial entities are. Uh, he will give up that information because it's uh, classified. He will give up that information to the right people in the government, which again, much like the Mexican alien corpses, you know, we need to bring this thing to, to closure, to a conclusion. It had, it, had a, it had a great beginning and introduction. Now we need to go and bring it to some kind of conclusion, a scientific conclusion, find out where are these saucers, where are these bodies, let's go there. I mean, we've already talked about that. So mm -hmm. show your cards. And I think every one of us in the UFO community needs to be livid about that. We need to you know, make our voices heard. Show your cards. Let us know what you know. It's not a good, good enough to go in front of the, those cameras, international cameras, in uh, July of this year and say that you know where these beings are. You know, well, you know, let us know. Let the rest of us know. So. Again, I, don't, I don't think that will happen there, Max, honestly, because they just don't want to give it up. You know what I mean? No matter how hard you fight, no matter how hard that you try to get answers, there's no way in how are they going to give you any. They might have sent you out like a couple, like 40-some videos, and out of 40-some videos, they said, oh, one might be a UFO, and, and, and they're not going to tell you. But here's the deal behind that, Max. The government thinks we're stupid. Honest to Pete, it's the 21st century. We know more than they do. Yeah. So for the life of me, I don't understand why they won't give us more information on it. Well, you're, you're talking about what happened with Kecksburg. You know, through the Freedom of Information Act, we asked for information on Kecksburg. And what we got was all redacted or it yeah. was... It was lost, so we didn't. They didn't come through. So. They're not gonna. They're not gonna give it. But I, I want to come back with this question. Um, do you think there is a time machine out there that does exist? Well, thank you. Okay, more green tea for my parched throat for you listeners. Thank you, thank you, wife. <laughs> That's my wife, Pat. So. Yeah. Um, well, give me the question again. Oh, the time machine. Um, yeah. Do you think there's one after? Or you do know, you think one can be made? <laughs> ah, boy, that, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. Um, you know, I use the term. The term has been used metaphorically for uh, uh, flying saucer esoteric. But, uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about time travel, you know, uh, in, uh, inner dimensions. And uh, it's, it's a theory that I think is just a really exciting and juicy theory. And I would hope that, you know, that technology is somewhere out there and could be discovered. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, think of all the wonderful books that have been written about time travel, starting with, you know, one of the geniuses. I mean, H.G. Wells uh, wrote The Time Machine and so, so many other things. And, and his story you know, it is almost Lovecraftian where, you know, you had the evil Morlocks and you had the other people, the docile people, um, 
just just amazing what H.G. Wells did in uh, all of his, uh, you know, The Invisible Man and uh, War of the Worlds and Time Machine. I mean, he 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 covered the market. I mean, he was so good. He mm-hmm. was like, he was like the Stephen King of the day. You know, Stephen King comes up with all these paranormal things with psi power. You know, females with psi power carry and uh, Salem Slob and you know. All you know, all those good books that we're supposed to be watching during the month of October. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, you know, I would, I would, I would certainly like to uh, uh, hear about experiments and and, and uh, time travel, and, and you know, and that's and look, you know, you you know that twenty twenty three is the eighty year anniversary of the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah, I was just that you're reading my mind, Matt. Yeah, we come up with that question for you. Yeah. And I have so many different, uh, you know, uh, uh, attributions in flying saucer esoteric to the Philadelphia experiment. And, you know, it seems to be like they, they, they're all in uh, numbers uh, in twosome. Like, for example, Dr. Morris Jessup was connected with uh, Carl Allen from New Kensington, Pennsylvania. You know, Carlos Allende, the mysterious gypsy from new kensington fred tracy my friend from uh, Derry, new hampshire he was connected to admiral uh, forrestal who uh, who was connected to mj12 you know forrestal committed suicide but um and then al belak who claimed that he was the one that pulled the switch on the estridge eldridge excuse me eldridge in 1943 you know uh creating the philadelphia experiment but Al Belak and Phil Schneider were connected and they started to go around to these different conferences talking about the USS Eldridge and talking about the Montauk project and the Dulce Wars. And this thing just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So I don't know, but <coughs> excuse me. I, I want to tell mm-hmm. your listeners that I'm getting over COVID. So that's why the raspy throat. But one thing I want to say about Al Belak who claimed that he was aboard the Eldridge, that he was the director at uh, Montauk, that he did time travel, you know, to different, uh, to the future and all this stuff. Um, it sounds crazy. It sounds bizarre. But if you would were to Google Al Belak and listen to some of his YouTube videos, I mean, the guy is on. He is, I mean, he's since passed. I think he died when he was 92, but he is articulate. He has a great command of the language and details, and he knows his stuff. So if it's fabricated, this guy is, he's a wizard. He's wonderful at what he does, but it sounds like he knows things. And the one thing I want to say about Montauk, and again, that fits into ufology big time. If in fact the government was experimenting with a whole lot of weird things around World War II, which they were. The Manhattan Project was one of them. Enrico Fermi's uh, plutonium rod experiment in the University of Chicago, you know, underneath the auditorium, that was another one. The Philadelphia Experiment was one. And then, according to Al Belak, uh, the Philadelphia Experiment uh, changed the name and went to uh, to Long Island, where it was centered there in Montauk, where they would experiment with mind control and um, time travel. And we know that around that time period, you know, LSD came into being, and the CIA had been using LSD for experimentation, 
for control to see if it had any kind of a military application. I mean, did a whole lot of uh, unethical things with, uh, you know, dosing scientists with LSD without them knowing that. So uh, even just MK Ultra, Virginia, she's right. MK Ultra, yeah. Yeah. So, so here's all of these things that the you know attributed to the government, and it makes sense to me that there would be an epicenter of mind control experimentation, and why not Montauk and Long Island? I mean, you know, why if if in fact there's a place where they store the bodies, you know, why not why not Wright Patterson or why not Roswell? So you know, we have identified some of these locations, and uh, you know, so. Um, I, don't know, I, I believe there's some truth to the Montauk uh, project, uh, you know, uh, just just what uh, the amount of truth there, I just don't know, and, and neither do you. And I, I mean, I wish we did. So. Right. Now, real quick, uh, to the people out there listening right now, what is the Philadelphia experiment? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, like I said, it's the, 80-year anniversary of the Philadelphia Experiment. But what happened was, according to the legend, uh, there was a technique called degaussing. During World War II, these Allied ships would go uh, through the Atlantic, and the uh, Germans had laid down these uh, mines. And the magnetic pull from the Allied ships would trigger these bombs, and they would explode. Uh, you know, sink the ships, destroy the ships. So what they did was they found a way to neutralize that, uh, the, the gauss, I mean, the, uh, the uh, a unit of measurement for, for um, magnetism is called a gauss. So they would degauss these ships by wrapping coils around them and then sending electrical charge. So that was new, would neutralize the ship, making them invisible to these under, under sea mines. Um, Philadelphia experiment allegedly was a, a, a was a degaussing experiment that went wrong. Uh, they used too much uh, magnetism, uh, and what happened was, according to the thing, the Eldridge was teleported from Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia, and back. People died. People became mentally became insane. Uh, the movie showed people that were uh, sailors that were uh, uh, melted. Um, blended into the uh, the bulkhead into the iron the steel and uh that was just like the most horrific uh scene you know from that initial movie um movie came out in i think 1956 and then what happened was al belak and i'm looking for my notes here um motion picture 1984 it came out al belak claimed that he saw in 1985 and it triggered repressed memories, and he realized that he was on the Eldridge at the time. So mm -hmm. that's the storyline. He said that him and his brother were aboard, and um, so there's been three motion pictures. There's been the the movie. There's been a documentary. Uh, you know, uh, it's in my book, Coal Region Hoodoo, and I think the uh, what I add to the Philadelphia experiment was my relationship with Fred Tracy and uh, my uh, cousin Jim Furyk was in the military. He knew uh, Fred Tracy. Uh, cousin Jim was living in Derry, New Hampshire. So he introduced me to him and I drove up there and I spent a weekend with him uh, interviewing him. And he had information 
claiming that the Philadelphia experiment actually happened, that there were documents from Admiral Forrestal, you know, uh, admitting, acknowledging that the Philadelphia experiment did happen and, uh, and towards the end of the war. And uh, so it's just interesting how it went from the Philadelphia experiment to the Montauk project and then with uh, Phil Schneider uh, to the Dulce Wars. It just got, and then, and then what's interesting too is, I find it interesting, but uh, Morris Jessup, who played a key part in the Philadelphia Experiment, and Admiral Forrestal and also Phil Schneider were all found dead. Now, uh, Schneider looked like he died uh, uh, from a military uh, you know, style uh, strangulation. Uh, Jessup, it looked like he committed suicide in his car. That was in a, in a parking lot in Miami, Florida. And uh, Forrestal was being treated for depression at the Bethesda Hospital. And he was on the 14th floor and he threw himself out and committed suicide. Again, all these deaths are questionable. Uh, Forrestal, if he was being treated for depression or psychosis, why did they put him on the 16th floor instead of the first floor where they, you know, he would be safer? But, um, and also with uh, uh, Morris Jessup, he was supposed to be revealing information about the Philadelphia experiment. The, the next day, he was going to be talking to his friend, uh, Dr. Valentine. And so he was found dead. An alleged suicide. That's, that's kind of crazy there, Max. Honestly. Um, and everybody out there, you know, you seriously need to go and Google if you're really interested in the Philadelphia experiment and read it out and come up with your own um, your own theories yeah. on what you might think. Yeah, it's not so going away. away. It's not going away. And uh, it's 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 really interesting, but I mean Philadelphia experiment is all about uh, secret World War II experiments, time travel, uh, teleportation, um, you know, mind control, just a whole, you know, uh, government cover up. I mean, just a whole lot of you know, all the all the boxes are marked. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, Philadelphia experiment. But, you know, the other thing, too, is when you talk about Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania hoodoo, I mean, neither the living dead, the blob and the Philadelphia experiment. That's all of our stuff, you know, right. Pennsylvania centric, our stuff. And these are some of the, you know, most bizarre and most classic uh, motion pictures. You know, if, if, if art imitates life, then we certainly did that with those three motion pictures that, you know, I mean, just amazing. I mean, we, I, I you know, uh, I know you. Most of your readers are probably not from Pennsylvania, but you know those that uh, you know are listening really need to realize that parent that Pennsylvania is a weird state. It's a paranormal state. <laughs> I mean, that we are. I got a question for you, my friend, and then it's eight fifty-four. So in six minutes, we're going to take a two-minute break, okay. maybe two and a half minute break, but um. Okay, where's that? I wrote these down. I'm telling you, I'm just like, there's so many questions. You know what I mean, everybody? Um, okay, uh, where's that? Oh, here it is. This is your second book published by Beyond the Fray Publishing. Didn't they also publish your last book, Coal Region Hoodoo? Yeah, they did. I, I, uh, 
Tim Renner, uh, he's the Bigfoot guy from Pennsylvania. He told me about Beyond the Fray. I was looking for a publisher. Uh, my book before that was um, Somebody Else's Dream. It was a rock and roll biography that I completed during the, uh, hi, Cindy, um, that I completed during the pandemic of 2020. You know, I needed a project because I was, I was going crazy, but uh, that was my book. And then I needed to get another publisher who was into the paranormal. And that, um, beyond, I'm, I'm really pleased with Pat, with Beyond the Fray. Uh, they seem to be treating me pretty good. And, uh, you know, I like working with Jeff, the uh, publisher. So, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, two books, two books in uh, the same year. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, Coal Region Hoodoo is just like, I mean, this is the book. I mean, if somebody's looking for a good read, a Halloween read, I mean, get Coal Region Hoodoo. It's just like a tremendous book with a whole lot of, you know, UFOs, UAPs, Bigfoot, hauntings, demonology, Philadelphia experiment. It has it all, but, but, um, That's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. If anybody out there in the chat room or everybody, anybody that's out there listening, um, and if you are writing a book about the paranormal, okay. Um, What's the name of the company again that they can go to? Beyond the Fray Publishing. All right, let me let me put that in here. Let me put it in here. Beyond uh, F R A Y. Beyond the Fray Publishing. If they're mm -hmm. in San Diego and uh, yeah, they're uh, they do a pretty good job. So what I just typed in was Beyond the Fray Publishing. So if anybody's interested in getting your book done, you know, check them out because I think they did pretty good pretty good there with Max. Yeah. I'm going to give you one more question there, buddy, and then now we're going to go on break, okay? Okay. When you did your research with Flying Saucer Esoteric, did it lead you to any interesting conclusions? Yeah, I think, I think the answer to that is that, you know, the Flying Saucers have always been with us you know, from the early days to today. I mean, we've always seen them. We've always been seeing things in the sky. Uh, you know, we have, um, you know, uh, true believers. We have, uh, uh, we have hoaxers. They're 15 minutes of fame by making things up. But, um, you know, but there's a lot of credible people, scientists and, you know, credible politicians uh, you know, people that have seen these things and reported on them. And um, so, again, uh, I think what I what amazed me with the research on the book was that they have always been here, whether it was, you know, uh, before the time of Christ till now. You know, mm -hmm. so it's nothing really new, just that, you know, we call them different things. So. Okay. Um, so in about 30 seconds, we're going to go on break. Max, can you hang around a little bit more? Absolutely, Sean. Looking forward. Awesome. To awesome. And everybody, please stay in room at two and a half minutes. Get yourself something to drink, smoke a cigarette, do what you got to do. And uh, we'll see you here in about two and a half minutes. All right. Here we go on our break. I need it.
Looking for stories that are fresh and new? Dark fantasy, humor, space exploration, time travel, cyberpunk, alternate history, and more. They're in the L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future Anthology. From 24 award-winning authors and illustrators, plus art and writing tips, and bonus stories. L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future. Buy your copy at galaxypress.com, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the second hour of Into the Night with Sean Kelly. How I hope you we had a very, very interesting first hour of the show. Uh, there's a couple things though I, I just want to bring up again, like I did at the beginning of the show, um, for the people who just popped in. Um, August 28th, I'll be at the Carnegie Library uh, doing an investigation with a bunch of other paranormal groups. Um, August 29th, I'll be at the Penn Brewery from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, doing a little uh, uh, thing, you know, a little, little thing like I do here on the show. Um, and uh, remember, Halloween night um, at 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock till whenever it is, UPRN is sponsoring a Halloween party, okay? And... Um, so since it's in my time slot, I'm going to be here along with the other hosts of UPRN. And uh, it's going to be a great time. That last video you saw was done by Lorelai uh, Plotman. And she is the Angel Rock. Her show's on Monday nights, I do believe. And uh, she's a very wonderful lady. And Lorelai, I have to tell you, it, it was awesome. It, it I've really enjoyed it. Oh, well, that was pretty cool. Um, I might play it even when it's not Halloween. So, <laughs> so what's going on, Max? Um, well, we're getting ready for hour number two, Sean. Yeah, we are. We're getting there, aren't we? Tonight, and uh, glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that maybe in 2024 I could come out to the Pittsburgh area and, you know, uh, say hello. And uh, Oh, yeah, that'd be kind of great. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, it looks like, like I'll be going out to Johnstown a couple of times, so, uh, okay. you know, so that's... Uh, How about, yeah, you were talking about going to Gettysburg. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of places, I mean, 
you know, you can talk to different paranormal groups, different, uh, uh, you know, Bigfoot hunters and Bigfoot groups. There's a lot of them here in uh, Pittsburgh and stuff like that. And the one, one thing that's really happening is Bigfoot expos are blowing up. They're all over the place. I mean, there's so many first-time Bigfoot expos. Even, I mean, I was at the Elysburg and Johnstown. That was the first time they had those. A number of them, I think Somerset, a lot of counties surrounding uh, Cambria and outside of uh, Allegheny County are having these book, Bigfoot conferences and, uh, you know, bringing in the, uh, the, the experts, you know, the authorities. So uh, just a lot of energy there. Uh, a lot well, of we, we have a, an expert in the field here. Um, Johnny Freeman, um, he does okay. a lot of speaking too. Um, I think, uh, is it Beaver Creek, Ohio, Johnny, if you're still on, buddy? Uh, great show. Thank you, Johnny. Johnny, is it Beaver Creek, Ohio? Or because there's a lot of Bigfoot activity that happens down around there. And I know for a fact we go to a place, um, we go to a, uh, Place called Prospect Place, and it's in Trimway, Ohio. Okay. And uh, there's been a lot of Bigfoot sightings, like, right around there. Okay, you're not an expert, but you know what you're talking about, John. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he'd done the conferences here. But uh, back to the book. I got. I, I wrote all these questions down, and, and we have to get to them, sir. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's start all with right. question number one. Okay, you were invited to several Bigfoot expos during the summer. What's your connection to the Bigfoot mystery? Well, I don't have any connection to the mystery. I mean, I don't know what they are. I wish I wish I uh, wish I could see one. My, uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I live in Luzerne County. I'm about maybe four and a half hours from you. You know, from from the Pittsburgh area. But right. uh, my neighbor, a couple months ago, we went out to dinner, and my neighbor said that he saw Bigfoot. Actually, he saw two Bigfoots. Uh, uh, there was a black one that was taller than the cinnamon color bear, uh, Bigfoot. And he looked at him. They turned around and looked at him. Not that like they were afraid, but they were curious. And then turned and walked. Not like human beings. So I put him in touch with Eric Altman. Yeah, Eric's a good dude. Yeah. Put him in touch with Stan Gordon and put him in touch with with Tim Renner. And these are the three Bigfoot guys that, that I'm connected with. And I just thought that they should have this information to know that uh, two Bigfoot creatures were seen in Luzerne County. So, mm -hmm. so um, Virginia's from uh, Pike County, PA. Okay. Okay. So I think in a lot of these Bigfoot expos, they bring in the Bigfoot authorities, but they also like to have a outlier somebody who's more into the paranormal or the uh, ufology. And I think that was my connection with these. Uh, um, uh, yeah. And Eric was in, in Johnstown. He was one of the uh, people that one of the guest speakers along with uh, me and Stan Gordon uh, this September 30th. But um, so um, they like to have people like me because I think I present maybe another viewpoint about Bigfoot creatures, you know, being maybe interdimensional, uh, you know, something like that. So, but uh, irregardless, I mean, uh, they've been, uh, I've been, uh, you know, well uh, accepted and, you know, uh, by, by the Bigfoot uh, com uh, 
community and uh, they're just a great bunch of people with a lot of energy and uh, just amazing you know uh, you know the one in uh, ocala florida in april of this year was was amazing and uh, although i wasn't one of the presenters i was interviewed by a paranormal station in tallahassee which uh, and we talked about coal region hoodoo which was just amazing you know we had a lot of people a lot of response to that so mm -hmm. so um, if you look at the communities, uh, the Bigfoot, the uh, ufology, uh, the paranormal, we're not bad people. You know what I mean? Right. We're, yeah. we're good people. Yeah. You know, maybe people out there who aren't part of the communities think we're a little nutso because I was told that I was a little nutso myself. You know, but you know what? Um, I believe that whenever something happens, that you're supposed to take that path in order to do what you're doing. Like you told, you know, getting to the UFO, getting into the paranormal and all of a sudden you're writing books about it. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, who knows where I'm going to go? Like I did what, 18, 19 years. Uh, I had Pittsburgh paranormal society from 2006 up to 2022. Okay. So I was getting kind of like really old, you know, it wasn't as fun as it used to be, but during that time, I started doing radio, you know, and doing paranormal, I mean, uh, podcasting and, you know, and like, I, I want to um, start setting my sights on uh, podcasting and stuff like that, because I find it very, very interesting um, about it. Uh, it, it. It's just all around my eyes five years ago. When Chasing Prophecy came out, I did not know a damn thing about aliens. I didn't know a damn thing about Bigfoot, nothing like that. Okay, and now I do. And I met a lot of the people who are really big in the community. So I don't know. I feel like I've been blessed with it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, you're in a great position. You know, you have a great voice. You have uh, you know, a great resume. Um, having had the Pittsburgh Paranormal Society, I mean, you know everybody. So uh, yeah, it's just uh, this, you're you're on a, a pathway, and uh, you know, and good for you. I mean, it just this is just great. Yeah, being just good for you, good for uh, Johnny in Virginia, and uh, my friend Tony down in Texas. I'm telling you what, Max, I'm gonna have to hook you up with Tony, and and I'm telling you, he goes to this forest down. I'm gonna say San Antonio. I'm not sure, okay. Okay. and. Um, the stories he could tell you about that down there is like crazy, crazy, crazy. And I forgot to uh, say hello to my friend Christopher Moran. He he's that's my friend from England. Okay, you know, he stays up late just to listen to the show. Okay, and you got him uh, and so the guy from Newton, from uh, New Zealand. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool too, huh? Yeah. And uh, okay, so I got a couple more questions here. All right. Um, Okay, you frequently mentioned that Bigfoot and UAPs have a unique commonality. What exactly is that? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, in both cases, we, you know, there's flesh and blood people that want to find uh, the body of the Bigfoot and the nuts and bolts people that want to find the, uh, the, uh, the craft, the flying saucer, the UAP. Uh, and we haven't after all these decades. So uh, a lot of people, a lot of people like John Keel and Jacques Vallée and myself, 
uh, believe that there might be some sort of interdimensional connection that maybe Bigfoot and UFOs somehow shape shift in and out uh, between parallel universes or other dimensions and manifest here. You know, again, we don't know, but that's a prevailing theory. They talk about by, by location of Bigfoot, you know, you see them in front of you and then they're behind you, you know, so sort of like that. So they're, you know, there may be something to it, but we come to this conclusion only because there's been so many sightings of Bigfoot and flying saucers at the same time. Uh, yeah, portals, um, uh, portals, uh, maybe wormholes and bridges like Einstein said. You know, Einstein said that uh, between uh, the, with the uh, space-time continuum, there's uh, wormholes that go from one end to the other. And so by traveling through these wormholes, uh, that could, you know, uh, aliens, extraterrestrials that live, you know, you know, millions of light years away can reach us in a microsecond, you know, through that wormhole. So again, that was his theory, his theoretical, you know, hypothesis that we need the scientists to go and try to figure out if this is a workable theory, if uh, you know people could actually go through that space-time continuum. But again, it's the most, um, I think it's the, the theory that I keep on hearing all the time, you know, that there's, uh, inter there's dimensions, bridges, wormholes, portals, you know, whatever. Uh, Tony said he proved it at Beaver Creek this year to the group there. Yeah, it, it's a good story, Max. Maybe you should hook, hook up with Johnny and uh, he'll tell you about that story. I mean, like I said, I, I ever, I, I've been hooked up with the best people, the blessed yeah. people yeah. You know, around here. And um, so there's a couple names I, I would like you to get in contact with. Um, so Johnny, yeah. he's from uh, San Antonio, right? No, Johnny isn't. Um, okay. uh, <laughs> Johnny's from Virginia. Ton, no, Tony's from Texas. Okay. And Johnny's from here in Pittsburgh. Okay. Or okay. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you have any conferences lined up for 2024, sir? Yeah, I do. I'm going to be at the um, uh, Hermetic Institute in June. And I'm going to be talking about Dr. Frederick Santee, who was a white witch. And Johnny's in Fayette County. Oh. That's part yeah. of, uh, part of, uh, the Chestnut Ridge, but I'll be I'll be uh, presenting at a conference in Wilkesboro, Pennsylvania, talking about Dr. Frederick Santee, and he was a white witch. He was the uh, high priest for the Coven of the Cata, and uh, he was one of the uh, foremost abstract thinkers of the 20th century. One of the youngest people to graduate from Harvard, and he lived five miles down the road from me. So I was his patient, his friend. I interviewed him. And just an amazing guy, uh, Sybil Leek, the alleged world's most famous witch, was the one who initiated the uh, Coven of the Cotta there in Walp Wallop in Pennsylvania. And uh, just an amazing story. So I'll be talking about uh, Dr. Frederick Santee, white witches, uh, you know, uh, curses and poxes and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he taught me a lot. He was a very kind gentleman and he was very... Uh, uh, you know, very altruistic, uh, very, you know, he, he shared his information with me. But one thing I will share about Dr. Santee, he said any religion could be good, 
used for good or evil. You could go and use the right pathway where you do helping and healing, or you could do the left pathway where you would put a spell or a, uh, uh, a curse on someone. But he said, if you were to do that, then you have to deal with karma and karma would come back on you, would manifest threefold or tenfold. So I know a lot of people that got a lot of karma coming to them. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't know if I'll ever see it. I don't know if I'll be around when it happens. But I want to ask you a question. Yeah. You say the dude's a white witch, okay? Yeah. I know a lot of people, I know a lot of women, a lot of men who are in the Wiccan community, okay? Yeah. And a lot of them are saying there is no such thing as a white witch in the dark witch, okay? And I'm sure I'm going to get some emails coming back at me tomorrow about that about that question but to them and to me okay um from what i've experienced from people and who are in the wiccan community that you know a witch is a witch is a witch is a witch there's no such thing as white and there's no such thing as dark mm -hmm. they're just witches okay i mean i just thought when you came up with the word white witch you know that's like um in in the um uh, Wiccan community that, that that's not like a good thing to talk about you huh. know I mean? yeah so to me you know if and this is just me if I was going to that conference I would look at him as only a witch you know what I mean I just would not think of him being a white witch and that that's my own personal thing. Yeah. So, I will run I will run that down and check it out and talk to some of my Wicca friends and just see Wiccan friends and see what you know what they say about it um yeah. When I when I've, I I certainly don't want to use anything that would be disrespectful. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I you know, and it's just but, but, I, well, I, I know I got into a lot, not a shot matches, but I got into a lot of uh, you know debates. You know, back to back. You know, yeah. not confrontations, but yeah. good debates about it. I, I think a good working definition would be uh, something like this. I think a white witch. And I think of some of the Christian folks down in uh, the Lancaster area that could possibly use the Bible to put a spell on their neighbor's cow or maybe on their neighbor's pregnant wife, you know, to do something, you know, that not, not so good, something malevolent. And, um, uh, and those would be, uh, I would refer to as white witches, again, Christian people that use uh, the Bible, you know, for, uh, you know, for not for uh, not for good purposes, but for uh, casting spells. So I I've never heard that one before, my friend. OK. Can you some kind of like explain that a little bit more? Well, just, uh, you know, having. Uh, interviewed Dr. Santee, who was a member of the coven, and talked to some of his people. And, uh, you know, I was able to go and put together a narrative. I contacted a number of witches. And the one thing I will say, after Co-Region Hoodoo was published, uh, a number of Wiccans were certainly drawn to the chapter on Frederick Santee, Dr. Santee. And they told me specifically that they approved of the chapter because it was respectful, respectful of Dr. Santee and the coven. So, you know, that's what I'm at this point going by. You know, I don't think that uh, there was anything that was uh, uh, said intentionally and, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, 
certainly, uh, you know, certainly Wiccans have had a whole history of being castigated and put down by angry Christians who said that they were in cahoots with, with the devil. So, you know, I mean, that's something that a lot of them are very, uh, you know, sort of gun shy about because, you know, because uh, a lot of people still take the, take their shots and sort of like Sean, you were saying that they wouldn't allow the folks to go there and, um, you know, your group investigate Shanksville, you know, because yeah. they, they didn't understand you, respect you. You know, they probably thought that you were in cahoots with I don't know who, you know, if not the devil, <laughs> the KGB. But, you know, so it, it's sort of the same thing. But no, I mean, I, I think I uh, come from a, you know, I, I hopefully come from an attitude of uh, respect. And, uh, you know, I, I, and when I did my research, you know, uh, the chapter on Dr. Santee has a lot about, um, you know, the what, what I call the Lancaster White Witches. And, uh, you know, it's it's in there. I mean, there's a lot more to the book than that. But I mean, if anybody's interested in that, I just uh, pick it up and just, uh, you know, read about it. So. Maybe I might have to Google that guy. You know what I mean? But about the Bible, like casting. Now, I know for a fact, and this is my opinion, my opinion only, because this is my show. They seriously need to rewrite that Bible. And I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, that that's my opinion. You know what I mean? I mean, I could have a two-hour show on the Bible, how I feel about it. Maybe cut out the part about the flood, right? <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't want to go there. I got to you, my friend. All right. Did you have a personal conclusions after retired Major David Crush 2023 Congressional UFO hearing? Yeah, um, you know, we talked about that before. I think that he needed to uh, show us cards. You know, if you know something, well, show us. Tell us where they are, you know, and, and stop playing games. And that's both uh, David Grush and the United States government. You know, if there's something there, show us. The, one of the things that Grush said that was really fascinating, he said that we've known about flying saucers and extraterrestrials since the 1930s, said that Mussolini captured a flying saucer turned it over to the Vatican, and then the United States got hold of it. So uh -huh. in the 30s. So there's a great um, narrative there. And, uh, you know, I certainly would want to, uh, you know, get more information about that. So how do you go by getting your information, Max, for your books? Well, um, uh, I, a lot of reading and a lot of research, a lot of personal, um, you know, I, there was a lot of personal uh, interviews in Coal Region Hoodoo. For example, I interviewed Dr. Santee. I interviewed Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the uh, uh, Roman Catholic demonologist from Connecticut, you know, so um, and they were involved in the Schmurl haunting. Um, uh, Fred Tracy uh, involved in the Philadelphia experiment. Um, you know, uh, I uh, visited uh, Shepton, talked to so many people in the Shepton area, Centralia, you know, uh, uh, with uh, Kecksburg. You know, I uh, contacted uh, Stan Gordon, some of the folks out there. So a lot of the, the this information is out there. You know, you just have to put it into a uh, into a readable narrative, you know, that's interesting and, uh, you know, well-written and all that. So, but um, you know, it, was, it was fun to... Uh, do the research. And, you know, I've been told that Coal Region Hoodoo has a nice flow. You know, it begins with Night of the Living Dead. It talks about what makes people afraid. And again, it's a great Halloween read. And then, you know, 
Uh, now, for the people who never heard about Corey's and Hoodoo, could you please share the story of the coal mine? Well, if, if you're talking about Shepton, that was yes. the, the 1963, uh, yeah, um, there were, uh, the, the miners claimed that they saw the, uh, the apparition, the spirit of Pope John XXIII in the mine. And here, Shepton took place in August of 1963. Uh, Pope John XXIII had died in June of 1963. So it was an example of life after death. What's interesting is that Pope John XXIII, all three of his miracles, his purported miracles, happened after he died. So it was an example that many people, like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, you know, she wrote on death and dying. She felt it was a classic example of life after death. So, um, but Shepton had elements of uh, out-of-body experiences, after-life experiences, near-death experiences. The miners saw humanoid creatures. I mean, just a lot of bizarre paranormal stuff. It's probably the the most uh, the wildest and the most weird uh, uh, coal mine disaster of all time. One other thing that very few people know: the techno the rescue technology they developed in Shepton. They used, I think it was in, in Kew Creek. I think that was 2002. They saved those guys in Kew Creek, Pennsylvania. That's down by Somerset. Yeah. And also 2010, the Chilean copper mine disaster, all 33 of those guys were rescued by Shepton mining technology. So, oh, really? Okay. Shepton rescue technology. So. And they got, they got them all up. Yeah. Um, I think a total, like 42 people between Kew Creek and, uh, and Chile. So, yeah, it was an amazing thing. But very few people outside of the... Uh, you know the the Shepton, uh, Pennsylvania area. Know about know that this about this rescue technology. So it's like a well kept secret. I don't know why, but but it is. Um, how did uh, Dr. Morris K. Jessup's book, The Case for the UFO, nineteen fifty five, add add to the narrative? Yeah, Jessup was an important player in the Philadelphia experiment, and what happened was. Um, uh, Carl Allen got a hold of this book, The Case for the UFO, and had all these annotations there. And it would seem that Allen knew about uh, things like uh, uh, Einstein's unified force theory. Uh, Einstein wanted to go and merge gravity and uh, electromagnetism into one force and have a anti-gravity vehicle or device. And so uh, uh, Carl Allen claimed that he knew about this and uh, he had all these annotations and he sent them to Morris Jessup. I mean, tons and tons of them. And so uh, Carl Allen inserted himself into this Philadelphia experiment. And then the uh, uh, government, you know, the United States government got involved in that and wanted to know what uh, Morris Jessup knew about anti-gravity uh, you know, uh, propulsion systems. And again, we talked about this, but uh, Morris Jessup was going to reveal what he knew about these devices and killed himself the day before. So, you know, mm -hmm. it just that didn't make sense because, I mean, he was going to go and do the big reveal 
with uh, to his friend Dr. Valentine. That never happened. So I mean, we talked about that the last time that you were on the show, and um, there's a lot of people think that he did not commit suicide; that he was like kind of killed. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, he came too close to the truth. So you know, why why do you think that the government? Well, it just simply wants to hide this crap away from us. Well, Is it for money? Is it for, well, well, when for you, what? When you talk about the government, you know, uh, don't talk about the president and the Congress and the Senate. Talk about groups, almost like rogue groups like the CIA, the FBI, and all these other groups that we don't even know about. There are being funded by with black ops. There's monies for these groups that are maybe uh, hidden in these reports so they're funded and you could see those that the funding documented but we don't know exactly who these groups are who they're accountable to so a lot of these i think are just sort of rogue um in the sense that they're autonomous uh they don't have have to uh uh you know fess up to to a whole lot of government entities so i think you have a lot of these groups there that are uh doing this you know, calling the shots, whether it's with Dr. Morris Jessup or Admiral Forrestal or, uh, you know, any of the other people, uh, Phil Schrader, you know, um, uh, I don't know, too many people, uh, too many people have died mysterious deaths and you wonder right. why, you wonder why, so. Johnny Freeman says, absolutely, it's called the alphabet groups. Mandy says, cool, I am interested in learning all I can about mining back in the day. Because my adopted dad, his dad was a coal miner. Yeah, yeah. So tell, I don't know much about it. Yeah, if Mandy could maybe get a copy of my book, uh, Shepton, the Myth, Miracle, and Music. Uh, it's out there on Amazon. But check that out. That talks all oh, about. Look, okay, let, let, let's do that. What's how do I spell all that crap? Shepton. S H E P P T O N. S H. And let me hang on. Let me just uh, hang on. Let me just get a book. All right. I don't know, everybody. What does everybody think? Um, we got all them books back here. Maybe here's, I should. Here's one that. for, for Mandy. Mandy Shepton, The Myth, Miracle, Music. Just S H E P P T O N. Yep. The Myth, Miracle. Yep. And Music. And I'm typing this in, okay, yeah. and uh, I'm going to give it to everybody so they can get it. Oh, oh, oh. I'm not a good typer. Yeah. Sam, so wearing my Shepton hat too, so. There you go. Everybody, I just put in the name of the book, The Shepton, The Myth, The Miracle, and The Music. Um, I don't yeah. know. Uh, it's, it's, all, it's all pretty interesting. Well, it's interesting because Pennsylvania, you know, as far as coal, I mean, we fueled the Industrial Revolution. You know, it was right. on the backs of all the workers, you know, soft coal and hard coal. So, I mean, we did it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. more than West Virginia or any other state, it was Pennsylvania. When you look at the statistics, you know, the tonnage, just amazing. But those miners were like indentured servants. 
And then we had the breaker boys, little babies, little kids that were like maybe eight, nine, 10 years old, work on the mines, getting maimed and hurt. And, you know, the thing that really upset me when I heard about it, there were laws in America to protect animals before we had laws in America to protect children. So really, I didn't yeah, know that. Really? Yeah. So. But uh, speaking of uh, coal miners, I it was perfect coal to make steel. Yeah, definitely, John. But my very first show I had on a long, long time ago, um, I have a friend that lives up in Montana, and he has two silver mines, okay? And I had him on this show, and uh, it, it was about Tommy knockers. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, and the Tommy knockers. Uh, it, it was a, uh, like a, a myth that came over from the Cornwell miners, like England. They came over. And um, I was wondering, sir, did you hear of anything about Tommy Knockers in your, um, you know, doing your research? No, the only thing that I came across was that uh, Stephen King. Uh, wrote a book called The Tommy Knockers that might have been uh, uh, something that he lifted from H.P. Lovecraft. And uh, I think. Well, I'm, my friend out in Montana tells me that they do exist. Okay. Okay. And what exactly are the Tommy Knockers? What they do, what they are is that they're like little, little elf people, like little people. Okay. And they, and they go into the caves and uh or the mines and whenever there's a bot there's going to be like an avalanche or something that happens in the mines they warn all the other miners to get out okay um and all they do is leave them cigarettes tobacco and some food yeah stephen but king wrote the tommy knockers in 1987 and in the story the uh, residents of Haven, Maine, fall under the influence of a long-buried alien spacecraft buried in the woods. So that was the, the thing. Can you imagine all the spacecrafts out there in the woods right now? <laughs> no, I no, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, and, and all the Bigfoot people that say that there's a lot of Bigfoot are out, in, instead of going through the portal, you know, they probably just hang around here. You know what I mean? Um, I really believe, and this is my theory, is that Bigfoot are more afraid of us than we are of them, you know, well, and um, that's why that there's really um, not too much, you know, stuff that has happened to people. I know there are a couple of incidents that happen with uh, the Wolfman or uh, not the, the wolf man or, or the, what's the dog one? Dog man. Dog man. Yeah. And we have those up here in Pennsylvania too there, Max. Uh-huh. Johnny says, uh, his grandfather went in mine to work at, it, what he did was tend the mules. You know what I mean? But in, you know, it, it, it just amazes me, you know, what we see today as paranormal, what we, experience as paranormal can you imagine all the paranormal back then my god it would be like so interesting and you mean down in the mines everywhere yeah the mines everywhere anywhere except then 
you know, it, that people saw things that they really can't explain what they saw, right? Um, I believe, in fact, I believe that a lot of people back in the 40s were put into mental homes or insane asylums um, because they were seeing ghosts or, you know what I mean, or hearing something like that. Mm -hmm. And there was definitely nothing wrong with them. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, so you got all these people who are normal, but they're going to sane asylums because they saw a ghost. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. This world's really messed up there, Max. Yeah, but, and it may not be getting any better, but... Um, yeah. Uh, Listen, I got five more minutes with you, brother, and I got to let you... Uh, four minutes, well, and I got to let you go. Okay. Um, now, my question is, sir, um, how can people reach you? Uh, upcoming dates, what do you got going on? You know, razz it all out there, brother. Razz yeah, it all out there. Yeah, if they want to contact me, uh, they can check out my website. It's www.maximfurek.com, M-A-X-I-M-F-U-R-E-K.com. And uh, there's a, a way to contact me. If they wanted to get uh, autographed copies of any of my books, they can. Or if they want to just read about me or see where I'm going to be, I need to go and get that. Um, my schedule updated. I'll do that. But I plan on being out in the, uh, you know, uh, uh, be doing a number of conferences in 2024. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I think that, you know, it's going to be nice going out there talking about cool region hoodoo and flying saucer esoteric. So, uh, mm -hmm. so. And so, I'm going to ask you one more question. What are you, what are you going to do on Halloween night? <laughs> I like to binge watch uh, something. I don't know what. I, I, like you know, when we, we were just down in uh, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, just last week, and I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when we were there. So that was really really cool. So I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, you know the, you know there's typically a lot of good uh, you know horror programs on. So I'm gonna go and watch one and uh, or several or binge watch. So that's do you probably, pass out candy or where you're at? No, not here. Uh, you know, I did back home in Pennsylvania. Now we're down in Florida. So where we live, there's, um, you know, it's like an adult community gated. Okay. We don't have any fun, you know. <laughs> oh, man. You gotta, come on, Max. Come I on. Throw, throw, yeah. a, throw a party there, buddy. Yeah, I should have a party, yeah. Yeah. Like Coal region hoodoo party. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, listen, Sean, yeah. Well, thank you for having me on Into the thank Night. Thank you for being here. Yeah, this is great. And I hope that your listeners might be interested in Flying Saucer Esoteric. You know, mm -hmm. just came out. And, uh, you know, and also if they buy any of my books, if they, you know, please consider putting a review on Amazon.com. I mean, it means a lot to us authors and uh, it does, does help out. So if, uh, you could write a review, good, bad or whatever. That'd be great. All right, Max. Thank you very much. You have a safe Halloween and. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bud. Okay, thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Okay. Good luck with uh, Into the Night. Thank you. Wow. That was a great show tonight. Honest to God. I I, I love Max. He's great. Uh, Virginia says she said she was nice to meet you, Max. So, um, but I'll tell you what, it was a great show. I love Max and Beth. I, I really do. Um, there are times that we disagree with each other, but you know what? 
you know, if we didn't, if we couldn't disagree or have our own thoughts, then this role would be like really boring, I would think, you know what I mean? Look at my ghost action there. Check it out. Where did I go, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> but no, um, it's uh, getting close to the time, you know, to where I could draw my cards. Okay. I draw my cards. And um, we all know the deal. Um, it's the animal medicine cards. Thank you, Cindy. It's good to have you here. Sebastian, dude, thank you for being on. Boy, you got all kinds of people here, Max. I'll put you on real quick, Max. There you go. Max, you got all these people thanking you, brother. He's very knowledgeable. Thank you, Max. Uh, nice to meet you, Max. That, that's good. Uh, that's so uh, hard. Thanks, Sonny. Thank you so much. I can't, I can't see this, but it sounds great. So I, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad the viewers uh, listened in, and I hope that it was uh, they found it informative. Yeah, they, they really did. All yeah. right, buddy, I'll let you be. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Take care, and uh, we'll keep in touch. I appreciate this. All right, pal. Have a okay, good take one. care. Okay, bye now. Bye. Hmm, let me get you out of there. Okay. I'll kick you from Wait a minute. There we go. Okay. So, again, it was a decent show tonight. That was a good show. Um, I'm, I'm real interested at really diving deep into his new book, Flying Saucer Esoteric. I mean, I don't know. Every time I talk to Max and I have him on the show, I get to learn every, I, I learn a lot more stuff. Yeah, uh, he's a good dude, man. He's he's a good person. He's good people. So it is that time of the show, everybody, that I am going to draw three cards. You know, uh, the animal medicine deck cards. And is anybody out there that actually looked up the animals from last week? If so, if you want to talk about it, you're more than welcome to put it there in the. Um, in the chat room so I can share it with everybody. But, okay, so the three cards, one first card I pull will be your past. The second card will be uh, what's going on right now, why that animal's with you right now. And the third card is your future card, right? We got a little bit of time. I looked in the book for the definitions. But, um, so if, if we don't get to the definitions, what I would... You know, what I tell everybody is go to Google and type in the animal totem and see the reason why that was chosen for you. And I'll be the first one to tell you that this reading could not be for everybody, but it could be for some people. We don't know. But, uh, okay, so I am something on the deck here. All righty. Okay. All right. And I'm going to cut the cards. Remember, get your Pittsburgh pens and pit Pittsburgh <laughs> pens and paper. So I'm cutting it once, cutting it twice. Okay. Here we go. The first card I have for you, everybody, is the squirrel. The squirrel. Okay. We'll write that down. That is your past card. Okay, your now card, animal. 
Ooh, there's the horse. Okay. And your future card is the mouse. That's interesting. So the three animals, uh, cards that I drew tonight was the squirrel, the horse, and the mouse. So if you want to, let's see where are we at, 943. Okay, yeah, we've got a couple minutes. If I have a hard time finding these things, and then um, we're, 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 we'll just figure it out on our own, okay? I need to get to the scroll first. Here we go, 141. All right, where are we at? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, it's the gathering. Now, this is your past card, the scroll. Uh, that scroll means gathering. Um, if scroll has scurried into your cards today, it may be that you are being told to honor your future by readying yourself for change. The message could be to enlighten your load if you have gathered too many things that do not serve you. These things can include thoughts, worries, pressures, stresses, or gadgets that have been broken for years. In understanding the balance involved in gathering, you need to look at the idea of circulating the stock of what you have gathered. Call the nearest thrift store and give the gadgets to someone who can benefit from them. If something no longer grows corn for you, then it's time to let it go. And that's your pass card, which is, I, I think, pretty cool for everybody. Um, the horse, this is the now. Let me find the horse. Um, there we go, 177. Let's get back here for the horse. Now, 177. Okay, now. Oh, wow, this is crazy. Uh, let's see if we can find it. Uh, the horse means power. So I guess you have a ton of power going on for you. Thank you, Virginia. But we're not going to get time. It's getting pretty close to the time to ending the show. Um, but remember to scroll the horse, the mouse. You know what? You know, I'm glad that today's show went along really great. Next week, I will not be on. There will not be an Into the Night, but there will be um, the UPRN Halloween party starting at 8 o'clock. Um, and again, if, if you have any questions that you would like to ask about um, Max and his books or something like that, you know, give me an email or talk to me, and then I'll make sure it gets back to him. And if you want any of his books, you know, go for it. I mean, it's he's a good author. you got good stories to tell you. Um, I want to wish everybody a very happy Halloween. Okay. I want please be safe out there. Um, you know, watch out for the little kids running around in the streets. I know where I live. They block off a lot of streets so the kids go trick-or-treating. But uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, one more week of this, and then November comes, and um, who knows? That's the start of my season. Hope that you are back the week after, Sean. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely be back, Sebastian. Thank you again for staying up late and being and listening to the show. That that really means a lot to me. That does. Um, I want to thank everybody that came in and listened uh, to Max and me. And I want to thank you for all your remarks, all your inputs that you put out there. Um, but again, Halloween coming up. Please be careful. Uh, tick candies, you know what I mean? You know, keep the kids safe. You know, that that's our whole main goal. Our whole main goal in life right now is to keep the kids safe. Protect the kids. You have to. You have to protect the kids. There's no ands, ifs, or doubts about it. You got to protect the kids. And parents, you know, um, if you have children, please, please, please go up to them and give them a hug and tell them that you love them. Okay? And children, please go to your parents and give them a hug and tell them you love him, love them. And if you don't have no children or if you don't have no parents, find somebody that you can give a hug to, you know. Um, and, and to tell them you love them. Not only would it work for you, but it will definitely work for them. And this is a holiday season coming up. Thanksgiving's only like about 30 days far uh, in advance, 30 days. And this is a real hard time for everybody who, um, when it comes to the holiday season, because everybody is depressed and, um, and all kinds of other negative things that happen. And, and if you see somebody hurting, please, I ask you, please, just sit with them. Please sit with them and talk with them. And um, if they don't want to talk, just sit with them. And on that note, everybody, let's see what we've got. On that note, uh, I want to wish everybody again a happy Halloween. Thank you for coming on and listening to uh, Max Furick uh, on Into the Night with Sean Kelly next weekend. Next Tuesday, we'll have our Halloween show. All the guests will be on here. And... Um, Everybody have a good night. And on that note, oh, oh before I go, ooh, thank you, Lord. I also, on the second hour, I forgot I had to put this in. I want to thank my sponsor, Carnation, for sponsoring the second half of this show. I truly appreciate it. Good night, Sebastian. And everybody, good night. Good luck. Happy hunting. Let me get to my thingy. I'll play that one more time. <laughs>